Hello and welcome to BPW's final preview episode of our coverage of the Euro 2020 tournament. My name is Jake Fenner and here we are previewing Group F, the group of death for this tournament, aka the one you all have been waiting for. So we're just going to jump right into it. Tom Adams is going to join me later, but if you haven't heard any of these beforehand, we go over the teams, their road to getting here, the people, their formations, the players to watch, the odds that have been set by bookmakers, and then at the end of all of this, we will talk about who we think is going to advance. So let's start with team number one in Group F, France, Les Bleus, the second best team in the FIFA World Rankings, the reigning world champions and the runners-up in the 2016 Euros, which were hosted in France. Uh, they finished first in Group H of the European Qualifications, uh, 8-1-1 one one record. Their manager ever since 2012 has been Didier Deschamps. Uh, 113 games under him, 75 wins, 20 draws, 18 losses. Their formation is up to interpretation. It's either a 4-3-3 or a 4-1-2-1-2. It really kind of goes back and forth. It kind of does look more like a 4-3-3. If it is a 4-3-3, then it would be a 4-4-3 with a false 9, which is interesting because France doesn't need a false nine, especially when you consider the three strikers that they have up front. So let's talk about those. Tom, this is a loaded team. You have a lot of options for this team to choose from. What do you pick? Well, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer. I'm not going to do this, Jake, just because they're Bayern Munich players. Uh, the two guys I'm going to mention are just, it would make no difference if they were Bayern Munich players, League on players, but... I'm really going to be focusing on both Benjamin Pavar and Luca Hernandez. And the reason why, uh, I think the wingback positions for Les Bleus are just going to be so important. They do have the nonstop engine that is N'Golo Kante operating just in front of them. However, I think one of France's weaknesses is their attacking players in Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, Karim Benzema, you know, when he's fully fit. Obviously, this is his first time back in the national team squad for many, many years. Uh, likewise, you know, in attacking players, that is Thomas Lemar, Olivier Giroud, Ousmane Dembele. I think one of the downfalls of some of those attackers is their lack of defensive prowess and defensive commitment. So the onus is really going to be on those wingbacks to make sure those flanks are covered because they're going to be very, very exposed to counterattacks because this is, Jake, the group of death, and they have a lot of attacking firepower elsewhere in the group that can expose them on the counterattack. So like I said, it doesn't necessarily just mean it has to be the Bayern players because we're a Bayern and Germany uh, blog that covers both teams, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it could be the combination of Benjamin Pavard, Luca Hernandez, uh, Clement Lenglet, if he's pushed out wide, which probably wouldn't happen anyways. Luca Digne, perhaps. But for me, those are those two areas. Uh, obviously, Hernandez and Pavard are probably going to be the starters. But those are the two areas that I'm really looking uh, and analyzing and making sure that they get that right. Uh, obviously, I hope they don't versus Dimanshaf, but, you know, key area for them. I'm looking at N'Golo Kante, obviously. I think he's probably the best player in the world in terms of uh, central midfielders. I know, controversial statement, considering we have Joshua Kimmich on our team. Uh, but, you know, Kante just won a Champions League. I think he deserves at least um, some credit to his name. Other than him... 
my other player to watch is Karim Benzema, who is back on the French national team after something that I don't want to get into regarding him and former teammate Mathieu Valbuena. Uh, but he scored 30 goals and 9 assists for Real Madrid this year in 46 games. So he is going to definitely be somebody to watch and see whether or not he improves in his return. Uh, France are the odds-on favorite to win the Euros at 9-2. to They are 11-8 to favorites to get out of this group. So we move on to the next team. This is the one that you all have been waiting for, and it is the Germans. Uh, Die Nationalmannschaft, or the national team, 12th in the FIFA World Rankings. They were shockingly knocked out of the group stages in the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Uh, they made the semifinals of the 2016 Euros before losing to runners-up France, who they see later in this group. Uh, they won their Group C of European qualifying, a 7-0-1 record, including teams like the Netherlands. Their manager, who will no longer be their manager after this tournament, it is his final tournament uh, for Joachim Löw. It's his job since 2006 to feel the best that German football has to offer. Whether or not he has done that is up to your interpretation. Uh, but in 194 games played, he has won 123, drawn 39, and lost 32. The formation looks like it's going to be a 4-3-3 with a false 9. In who scores projections, they have Havertz and Gnabry up top with Thomas Müller playing in a false 9 central attacking midfield role. Tom, we have a lot of hesitation about this team going in if they have to win if they need positive results in order to get out of this who do you like everyone's going to be focusing on the return of thomas miller matt hummels while i very warmly welcome that and i'm very very pro hummels uh and miller getting back into the Mannschaft. My my man Jake, I'm. This is the tournament for Joshua Kimmich, in my opinion, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think we all know how much of a leader he's become for Bayern uh, and Germany very very quickly in the past couple of years. Obviously, this tournament is kind of the apex of what's been a very very turbulent three and a half years uh, for Joachim Love. And the German national team. Obviously, we know he'll be leaving this summer after the tournament to be replaced by Hansi Flick. Uh, but for me, this is Kimmich's tournament. He's really, in my opinion, what makes this team tick on both sides of the ball. I think he's a true leader, uh, even at a young age. And, you know, it's it's always difficult for him stepping into the, the German national team setup because, you know, there's just such an abundance of midfielders. And as we've learned recently from what Joachim Love has specifically said to him he's going to be playing right back at this tournament so we know that he personally likes that central midfield role a little bit better than that right back role and we know how productive he can be from that central midfield role both offensively and defensively but he's going to be playing right back at this unless something changes you know he always has to compete with Leon Goretzka, Tony Cruz, a bevy of other excuse me a bevy of other midfielders so Love has already made the decision from the from the get-go that he's going to be playing Kimmich at right back, but I know that he can do it. 
I know that he can perform to the best of his ability, and I would love to see him shut down Griezmann, Mbappe, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo and company. That is what I live for. I hope it happens. Auf geht's die Mannschaft. Auf geht's Kimmich. My pick for this team is a man who has disappointed a lot of people, depending on who you ask, who you're a fan of, whether or not you are a Chelsea fan, whether or not you are a casual train conductor in your time off. Timo Werner needs to take this tournament as an opportunity to finally figure out what the hell is going wrong with his finishing and just take out all of the aggression and hatred on this group. He needs to come out swinging hard. Because here's the thing. I look at this projected lineup. I'm not that big of a fan of seeing Kai Havertz and Serge Gnabry up top as the two strikers. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. I think both of them have creative abilities away from the ball that fit better than what they're being asked. And there are two forwards on this team, by the way, Kevin Voland and Timo Werner. I'm looking more towards Werner to be able to finish. Not to say that Kevin Voland can't, but I think Werner is, you know, a bit better. I think he has a better chance to uh, prove himself, really. My other player to watch is Ilkay Gundogan. I think he had a fantastic season with Manchester City, and I hope that he can be able to turn that into a good performance for Germany. So we move on to the third team in this group, the mighty Magyars off the Danube. Hungary, 37th in the FIFA World Rankings. They surprised everybody at Euro 2016 by winning Group F over Portugal, who finished third in that group, mind you, before they went on to win the whole thing beating out Iceland as well in that group. Uh, they lost in the round of 16 to Belgium 4-0. Uh, they finished fourth in Group E in their European qualifying, but somehow still qualified to make a playoff. They beat Bulgaria 3-1 and then Iceland 2-1 to qualify, and unfortunately for them, they came in to the worst group possible for them to get drawn into their odds are 400 to 1 to win the whole thing and they have 40 to 1 odds to come out of the group which makes sense given the other three teams here uh their manager is marco rossi an italian there's weirdly only like one or two managers that don't come from their national teams um as far as i can remember uh, one of them is Poland with Paolo Souza, and I know the other one, if there's not more, I know there's at least a couple, but Marco Rossi is from Italy. He's not Hungarian, but he's coached in enough Hungarian teams to know what to do. Uh, since 2018, he has been in charge of this group. 29 games played, a 15-5-9 record for him. They play somewhere along the lines of a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2, depending on... What it looks like, it might even be a three four one two, depending on what you uh, what you look at. So, Tom, who do you like out of this Hungary team? There's a couple of Bundesliga players that you can pick from this team, and there's one that you can't pick. A uh, player that we were all watching at the beginning of the year, Dominic Szoboszlai. He is injured. He would probably not even have made the team anyways because he had been injured for so long. So, who do you like? Yeah, obviously, Jake, the elephant in the room is 
Hungary is going to be missing perhaps the nation's most productive, most creative player in Dominic Shabashlai, more so basing, you know, basing that off of his numbers from RB Salzburg before he completed that move to RB Leipzig, as you mentioned, has been out injured forever um, and won't be taking part in this tournament as a result. So, Jake, the goals are going to have to come from somewhere in this Hungary squad because <laughs> they're, as you said, in the group of death, it is going to be absolutely relentless as far as how much their goal gets peppered, how much they're under attack. They're going to need to find goals from somewhere. And for that, I highlighted Mainz's uh, Adam Shalai. There are two Shalais on the Hungarian national team. This is the striker, Adam Shalai. As we had talked about previously uh, for another group, for Sweden, I had highlighted Robin Kwaizan. Shalai, very underwhelming season for Mainz. Kind of played third fiddle behind Mateta, Kwaizan, and even fourth fiddle to Anisiwo. Only had one goal to boot for this season. Struggled with a meniscus issue early on in the Hinrunda. Struggled to get a, a mainstay back in the starting lineup. But, you know, if there's one area he can make an impact or one place where he can make an impact he's going to get more minutes probably here in this tournament for Hungary than he did for Mainz uh, in the Hinrunda in the Rookrunda that Rookrunda Jake obviously under Bo Svensson where Mainz had the surge and survived and got uh, pretty far away from the relegation zone so kind of feel bad for Hungary that they're going into this without their country's star player but injuries happen there's nothing you can do sometimes that's just the you know the hand that you've been dealt that you got to play with and you know best of luck to Hungary in this group of death it's definitely going to be tough for them I also ended up picking a uh, Shalai but not a uh, Shalai in the back or a Shalai up front I am talking about a Shalai in the midfield now it's important that we have to say that there are multiple different ways of spelling Shalai. Uh, the two Shalais in uh, attack and backline are spelled S-Z-A-L-I. The one that I picked is Roland Shalai. S-A-L-L-I. Plays at Freiburg. If you recognize the name, that's where you recognize it from. Uh, eight goals, six insists for... Um, 29 games for Freiburg. He had a pretty decent year for them. I project that he most likely would play as a number 10. He's creative enough in order to play in that position. And we hope, at least for the Bundesliga players, that they will be performing well for this Hungary team. Which brings us to the final team in this group of death, the reigning European champions, Portugal, Os Navegadores, uh, the Navigators. Uh, I'm sorry about the terrible Portuguese pronunciation uh, to my uh, great aunt and my aunt in the sky. Um, fifth in the FIFA World Rankings, reigning champions of the Euros. Like I mentioned, they lost in the round of 16 to Hungary in the 2018 FIFA World Cup, which eternally reminds us that when Messi gets knocked out, Ronaldo must also be knocked out in order to restore balance to the universe. Uh, second in the European qualifying group, B behind Tom. Uh, when you think of teams that would beat Portugal in European qualifying, what's the team that comes to your mind? Team Teams that would beat Portugal? Yeah, and their European qualifying group. I, now I'm drawing a blank on what their qualifying group was. Um, were they in the group with Switzerland? No, no, Tom, Tom, see, uh, 
this was a trick question. This was a stumper. Because the answer is Ukraine. Ukraine oh, yes, beat Portugal. Yes. I do remember their, that. Uh, I do remember that. In their European qualifying group, somehow. Uh, anyways, they came out with a decent record. A record of 5-2-1. and one. Their manager is Fernando Santos since 2014. He's been in charge of 83 games for the national team, a 51-20-12 record for them. They play a 4-3-3. Uh, Tom, I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to go first on this one. Uh, my player to watch is the front three of this Portugal team because it's very interesting to see how this front three will play out. Because when I tell you there are a lot of combinations, I truly mean there are a lot of combinations to this team, right? You have Rafa, you have Joao Felix projected to start on the bench of this team, basically giving way to Diogo Jota, Bernardo Silva, and some guy named Cristiano. So in this projected lineup we have from who scored, Cristiano is up front. I think it's important to watch how Cristiano Ronaldo plays throughout this entire tournament. If he prefers to drift out to the left wing like he did back in his days at Real Madrid, then they can easily just plug in one of the better goal scorers in the Bundesliga last year in Andre Silva. Keeping in mind, Andre Silva had 29 goals, 10 assists for 34 games last year. So we could see Bernardo Silva outright. Hota out left and Ronaldo in the middle. We could see Ronaldo out left and Andre Silva in the middle. We could see a whole bunch of combinations, which is huge. But the weakness to me for this Portuguese team is their defense, specifically their center backs, right? Here are their three, and they only brought three center backs to the Euros. Jose Font, who is 37 years old, Ruben Dias and 38-year-old Pepe, and that is it. Those are the only three center backs that they have brought to the Euros in a group featuring a fast France team and a clinical Germany team, depending on which Germany team you get. So I find that to be a very, very big flaw in this Portuguese team, and if they do not get out of this group, let alone, you know, deep into the knockout stages i really feel like that will be the reason why tom go ahead and name who you like well, it's actually very um serendipitous that you focused on the attacking line and then just briefly mentioned the center backs because the person that i'm going to be focusing on is jao Cancelo, partially because it's just a little bit ironic that he's in a back line with manchester city teammate and premier league player of the season ruben diaz but Obviously, Jake, playing in a Pep Guardiola system, as we know, is exponentially different than what you would go and play for your national club because Pep Guardiola is an absolute tactician, at times an overthinker. Uh, and myself, watching a lot of Manchester City and specifically Cancelo this season for the amount of times he was in my fantasy team, reeling in the fantasy points for me, a lot of flexibility and fluidity in that Manchester City side. The understanding between him, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Zinchenko, whoever it was on that left flank or in the center back pairing. Most often it was obviously Ruben Diaz uh, and John Stones, but the understanding was just so fluid, so good. Jao Cancelo at times would be acting as a right winger, perhaps even a center midfielder when De Bruyne would drop out of position or go forward a little bit. When Gundogan would trek forward, we know that he went on that absolute surge uh, 
when he came back and battled back from a coronavirus, he was one of those players who had a lot of uh, different side effects after he had the virus, but we all know the form he was in uh, just after New Year's and Christmas time. So a very interesting dynamic watching him and the way he moves off the ball for Manchester City and Guardiola, and it's a little bit different when you bring it to the Portuguese setup. You know, having Ruben Neves and Carvalho ahead of you, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Diego Jatawal is not necessarily a step down in class. It's a different set of players a little bit. Obviously, Bernardo Silva, also a teammate of uh, Cancelo's at Manchester City, but the, the movement, the fluidity is a little bit different. So I'm very curious to see how he will do, Jake, the opposition that they're going to be facing in these uh, these group stage matches in France, Germany, obviously Hungary the weaker, but France and Germany with the attacking firepower you they have, that's not something you go up against week in and week out in the Premier League. So uh, Cancelo is going to have to be very careful. He's going to have to uh, you know check his quarters when he roams forward, and you know the aging Pepe that's back there isn't exactly the quickest person anymore. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how his movements off the ball, as I said compares to Manchester City you know how different it is and you know if he's able to have the same kind of impact on both sides of the ball for Portugal in this tournament as he does for Guardiola and Manchester City. So Tom that brings us to the end of Group F with allow me again because I believe I missed a couple of the odds so allow me to go through them again. France are the favorites of the entire tournament at 9 to 2. They are 11 to 8 to get out of the group. Germany are 7 to 1 favorites to win the whole thing and 5 to 4 favorites to win the group. Hungary are 400 to 1 and 40 to 1 to get out of the group. And Portugal are 8 to 1 to win the whole thing, 7 to 2 to win the group. By the way, should note Germany at 7-1 puts them as the fourth highest team to win the thing. Portugal at 8-1 puts them right behind them at fifth. So, of course, this is going to be a very tough call. Who do you think gets out of this? I, realistically, if I'm putting, you know, my bets down, if I'm in Vegas and I'm putting my bets down, I very, very much have a genuine feeling that France are going to top the group. Germany are going to finish second. Portugal is going to finish third. And Hungary is going to finish fourth. And Jake, the reason for that, I can just very much picture Portugal having a bit of a breakdown uh, in communication, having a bit of a breakdown in the sense that some of their players start arguing with one another. I'm someone, as I mentioned, I watched, everybody knows I watched just as much Premier League as Bundesliga. So I watched so much Bruno Fernandes this season. As great as he is, he does have a tendency to sort of, um, you know, complain a lot when things don't go his way, as does Bernardo Silva, as does Xiao Cancelo. Of course, Diego Xata never does that because he's a Liverpool player, and that makes him uh, automatically awesome. (laughs) Just kidding. But, uh, you know, the the general chirpiness, I I feel like they have uh, the tendency is a bit higher, maybe even so with France as well, with some of the uh, the superstars they have up front, Benzema, Mbappe, Griezmann. Uh, and, and those guys, but I just have a gut feeling that I know that a lot of our followers aren't very confident in Diemannschaft going into this tournament, but Jake, maybe that'll be something that actually helps us because if the expectations are lower, it's a little bit easier to be more pleasantly surprised, and I have a strong feeling that this Germany side are going to surprise us uh, and go on to the knockout stages. Again, France number one, Germany number two, Portugal three, Hungary four. 
Do you think Portugal is going to advance to the next round as one of the three be- uh, one of the four best third place teams? No, just because I'm sick and tired of that. And their Euro 2016, how many freaking penalty shootouts? Boring. Yawn. No, thank you. But I I don't want it. However, it's realistic. So you said it's it's four third place teams that advance? Four third place teams out of the six groups advance. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just statistically, law of averages based on the other teams that we've said in the past, I would finish third. I mean, Portugal would have to be have to be one of them. They have so many goals in them. It's just a, it's just up to France and Germany if they can keep goals out and who can score the most goals against Hungary. Really, I mean, you don't want to say that and be disrespectful to Hungary, but. You know, if you're if you're a betting man, that's that's something that you're definitely going to be looking at. My prediction is France one, Germany two. I was about to say Hungary three. I'm sorry, I was building it up to that. Uh, Portugal three, Hungary four, and I'm very concerned. Again, I will repeat my concern about the back line of Portugal. Uh, Cancelo is fantastic, and Rafael Guerrero is fantastic as well. But Font and Pepe really as your second choice center back does not inspire a lot of confidence. And I am not exactly sure how that team is going to fare as a result of it. But with that being said, this wraps up our previews. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works throughout the tournament where we will give you daily recaps, highlights, and we will look forward to the next day's rounds of tournaments with inputs from correspondents as well. So thank you all for listening. And we look forward to hearing from you throughout the tournament. Have a good one. Auf Wiedersehen.